Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a beautiful day the Lord has given us to gather into His presence as His people. Amen? Amen. It's so good to see all of the afflicted uh, who've been suffering from the flu. We made it! Amen? Can we say praise God? I hope during that time uh, you were able to be patient with one another and you had the opportunity to love one another. There's nothing that uh, is, is a cure for a lack of sympathy like you experiencing sickness, right? Uh, you go through it and, and uh, now you're like, are you okay? Are you, how are you feeling? You know, before we're like, ah, oh, he's faking it. He's milking it. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, he can't be really sick, but you're like, man, I was like dying, man. Right? <laughs> right? And you know, God calls us uh, in that spirit, he calls us uh, to, to look at others and to love them. Amen? And the Bible tells us that, that he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. For he in all points was tempted like as we are yet without sin. Can you imagine if we could do that? By the power of his Holy Spirit, though, we do have some moments of that. Amen? Uh, Psalm 37, David uh, cries out to the Lord, and he said, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. But trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Sometimes people read that today and they think that means God's going to give you what you want. And what that really is saying is that God gives you new desires. There was a time in your life when this is what you wanted, but when God began to change your heart, he gave you what? He gave you new desires. That's how we can have joy. We don't suddenly just have joy not doing all the things that we used to do. But what happens is God gives us new desires. He said, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evil doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, they shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and he gnashes upon them with their teeth. But the Lord shall laugh at him when he sees his day of calamity is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, and to slay such as be of an upright conversation. The sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken and the Lord upholds the righteous. Amen. 
The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke all they shall consume away. The wicked borrows, and he pays not back again, but the righteous, he shows mercy, and he gives. For such as blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him in his land. I have been young, and now I am old. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and he lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves judgment and he forsakes not the saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. And the tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and he seeks to slay him, but the Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee and inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree, yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark that perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, and the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them, and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. That's where our strength is. Amen? Like Kyle taught us last week, when we put our trust in the things of this world, God has his way of shaking our trust in those things. We think he's punishing us, but what he's doing is he is shaking our foundations off of those things and putting our foundations on him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling your people into your house today to lift up your name. Lord, we individually come before you in prayer each day, but today is a special day because we come not just as ourselves, but as the church, your body in the world, your hands and feet to touch the world to tread upon your enemies with your feet. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we indeed would crush our enemies under our feet, that our uh, feet would crush down anything that would exalt itself above you. Lord, we come, first of all, knowing that what needs to be subdued is ourselves. Lord, we have sinned against you in so many ways, and yet we know because of your mercy, Lord, you forgive us. We pray today that you would indeed cleanse us. Lord, we come hungering and thirsting, and we're so glad to know that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Lord, we pray also today that you would feed us from heaven and that you would change us, that we might be more like you. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Get your Bible and come on up here. We are very excited for Brother Luke to come and bring the Word of God. Amen? Amen. What we believe uh, here at Foundation Church is that who brings the Word is much more important than how. Uh, how well they do. Uh, we're not here to critique Brother Luke and his delivery. He may be the most wild, fiery, best preacher you ever heard in this moment. <laughs> But regardless, we call people to speak the word of God because of who they are. Brother Luke has served this church uh, faithfully as a deacon and as our head deacon for several years. He has been a member here for over 15 years, right? About that long. I don't know exactly his membership date, but a really, really long time ago. And uh, I love what God has been doing in Luke's life. Amen? Amen? So Brother Luke, come and bring us the word of God today. We long to hear God's words and not yours. Amen. 
Amen. I, uh, that was my, one of my main prayers is that I would be bringing you just what God has to say. I don't want to share my opinions and, um, you know, I just want to bring you his word because that's the thing that is eternal and that's going to ultimately change us. Um, it's not the opinions of man or, you know, what we think, you know, but our thinking becomes transformed and renewed by God's word. And uh, so I just hope that that's what uh, my sermon today will do for us. Um, our scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 14. It says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would do, or ye would that men should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, um, Lord, you are so good to us, and you have shown us such kindness and mercy, and you have provided all our needs. I just pray that um, as we hear the sermon today, Lord, that you would speak through me, and uh, despite any ability or lack thereof of my own, I just pray that you would use me, Lord, to... uh, to share what you have to say to us today, Lord. I want to be encouraged through your word. I pray that all of us would be, and that we'd be transformed to love our neighbor as Jesus did by his example, and uh, that you would work through us, through your Holy Spirit, to do the same. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. (laughs) Um, The title of my sermon today is, Please, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, And uh, it is a spin off of Mr. Rogers' uh, TV program. How many people have seen that? I mean, that are familiar? Okay. I know the movie just came out, and... um, uh, so, you know, a lot of you younger kids are probably familiar through that, but I grew up with his, tele- you know, his show, and it was a part of my life, and I think as an adult, it's affected me more to kind of observe uh, what he was doing. I have a better understanding of, like, what his motivation was, and it's really inspiring. Um, but I will say this, that there has in my personal life been uh, no greater inspiration than our pastor. Pastor Mark has, uh, I feel, for me, demonstrated um, really well what it is to be a neighbor to people. And I've seen his, uh, just I've known him personally. We've been close and I see what he's willing to do for people. I've seen what he's willing to do for people this week. Uh, I'll share an experience that we had <laughs> with a neighbor. Uh, I might as well just talk about it right now. We, um, we have an office, uh, well, it's Mark's office and he lets me use it. And Pastor Mark got a phone call this week that someone named Luke had destroyed the bathroom Uh, because there's a shared bathroom and all I heard Mark called me he goes hey these guys just called me and they said that you destroyed their bathroom (laughs) and I'm like well um, I said I don't I didn't destroy any bathroom and I don't know what you're talking about well apparently someone had uh, 
We're not sure why the bathroom toilet got clogged up, but it really got clogged up bad. And uh, I think what happened was that somebody put paper towels down the commode and it backed everything up and I got blamed for it because, you know, they said that I used to, They said that I used the restroom like a hundred times when I'm there, which might be true, but I do not flush paper towels. I know better than that. I know better than that, okay? <laughs> so in any case, uh, Mark, Mark was coming down there, and, and, and if it was my fault, he was willing to get very dirty to uh, solve the problem. And I was too, it's just I'm not quite as brave sometimes as he is. <laughs> but we were loving our neighbor by pitching in to, you know, to take care of the situation, even though uh, I don't believe we were at fault we were doing what we could to love our neighbor literally this week so that was quite an experience i the details are crazy right uh but in any case i'm just really thankful for you pastor mark and uh for your example to me um so in mark chapter 12 jesus was answering a scribe that was questioning him about what the greatest commandment was. And Jesus' answer was this. He said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I wanted to mention the other thing about preaching a sermon is uh, it's, you know, a fearful thing because this topic of being a neighbor or being a good neighbor, I'm not bringing this forth because I think I'm doing this the way I should, but I know the reason I'm passionate about this particular topic is because I have a great desire. You know, God has changed my heart's desire to want to love my neighbor as myself. And I think, um, yeah, I just want to put that out there. You know, none, as, as our confession of sin, you know, none of us have done, loved our neighbor as ourselves. We haven't loved God the way that we should, but, you know, what God does through his Holy Spirit and what changes us, what's so profound, is that we, we go from selfishness to a selflessness, and that is our motivation for life. Amen. You know? Um, gosh, I'm getting emotional already. Like, that, that's, you know, that's the you know, profound thing that God does for us, you know, and, um, but, you know, our sanctification is such a long process over life, we're just, going, oh, Lord, like every Sunday we have to come and confess our sins, you know, or acknowledge, look, we haven't done things the way we should, you know, you know, as, as much as, you know, we want to, we're still not loving one, one another the way we should, you know. We're not being as patient with our kids. We're not being, you know, thoughtful and, you know, all these things. So it's just this process of just crying out to God and saying, like, Lord, have mercy. Like, change my heart. Um, You know, help me to be able to uh, be like you. Um. In regards to the second greatest commandment, Jesus puts it another way in our scripture reading from Matthew. Um, he says, if, if we're pointing the finger, this is to kind of paraphrase what was being said in Matthew. It says, if we're pointing the finger in judgment, we first need to be pointing at ourselves before we are eager to correct our brother. And even as God is eager to give good things to those who are asking and seeking and knocking, we also should do the same for others. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men do, should do to you, do, you, do ye even 
so to them, for this is the law and prophets. Jesus pointed out that the law and the prophets taught that what they taught was summed up in this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Though we have likely heard this a million times and know that we should live like this, our old man, who we are called to mortify daily, seeks to pursue the best interest of number one, ourselves. It is our natural inclination to pursue our own desires, but thanks be to God we have been shown a better way, the way of life. We have been given the mind of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, which seeks to glorify our Father in heaven and love our neighbor as ourselves. That is to put God's will first in our neighbor's best interest first rather than our own. When we make this our absolute goal in life, we are building God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine what our world would be like if everyone was more concerned with the welfare of others than themselves. No one would be lacking anything because there would always be someone to come to their aid. We are all called to this as God's people. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, the show. And uh, like I said, I grew up with this. And, um, but really, I've found, like, wow, like, what he was doing was really a good picture of really what it was like to be a good neighbor. Um, his, uh, well, let me just read here. It says, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I'll give you some background information about the show. Um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was a children's television show that aired from 1968 to 2001. Uh, Fred Rogers was a Christian man who served as a counselor for six years before starting the show in 68. The show took place in a home-like set setting created specially for his television neighbors to learn and imagine and think about things that are common to almost every child. Fred was a jazz pianist and songwriter and wrote all the music for the show. Uh, my place? Uh, wrote all the music for the show. He also did all the puppet voices in the land of make-believe in the land of make-believe, they had this thing, well, you guys, have, most of you have seen it. <laughs> so Charlie goes into the land of make-believe, and he does all these voices. I mean, the talent of this man is just really interesting. But um, this is really neat. Um, at a Senate meeting in 1968, Fred testified that he was to help, he wanted to help children be able to deal with their inner drama of life. Uh, PBS was funded by sponsors of the local community, and however, the, f uh, the funding was not sufficient to keep the show going, and so they, they made a plea for some, uh, some federal funding to keep PBS on, you know, rolling as a television station, and um, so all the, all the different people who are a part of the programs on PBS went you know, to Congress and said, hey, listen, we could use, we, we want grants. We would like some endowments to keep the station going. And uh, at this time, Nixon was president, and the senator that was in charge of uh, kind of the, kind of like the judge or was mainly in charge was uh, uh, Mr. Pastore. And he was like this super hard-nosed guy who like, they were just very, not very sim sympathetic to a lot of these, uh, to PBS in particular, because Nixon was only wanting to fund these television stations that were behaving uh, politically. And I don't know what PBS was doing, but they weren't real compassionate towards them. So all these guys were standing up, giving their testimonies. And, uh, and Mr. Rogers was the, Fred Rogers was the last one to testify. And basically, uh, there was no, <laughs> no positive outlook for getting any help from uh, getting any of the grants or funding until he went, like he was the last, he was the very last one. And he quoted a, um, a song that he wrote for his kids on the program. 
and it just sealed the deal. Like, and I'll um, read for you what this song was um, in just a minute. So, uh, let's see. So he was at the Senate meeting, and um, they didn't have the funding, so that's why they were there. In uh, Fred's own words, he wanted to deliver through his program an expression of care that helped his viewers to understand that they were unique and special. He quoted a song that he wrote about the emotion of anger. In Fred's slow, deliberate tone, he quoted the song's lyrics to Congress. It went like this. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite. When the whole world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for, for a game of tag or see how fast you go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing so wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to. I can stop when I wish. I can stop, stop, stop anytime. And what a good feeling to feel like this and to know that the feeling is really mine, to know that there's something deep inside that helps us to become what we can, for a girl can someday be a woman and a boy can someday be a man. This was a song about self-control and what to do with these emotions. And Fred Rogers was very concerned with the other television programs that they weren't teaching proper responses to life and drama and things that kids were feeling, you know, cartoons with everybody getting bopped on the head. And, you know, even Looney Tunes, there's just some, he was really concerned. And so out of the compassion of his heart, he was wanting to teach them a, a proper response. And I, uh, I believe that, you know, self-control is a virtue that comes from God's word. After he finished, the senator said, and this is Mr. Pastore, he goes, I'm supposed to be a tough man, and I have goosebumps all over. I love it, he said. I guess you just won the $20 million. <laughs> this money would help fund the program for the next 32 years and keep PBS running as a station. Meekness is not weakness. This slow-talking gentleman per persuaded a roomful of hard-nosed senators to fund his show through his honest desire to help children develop good mental health. Psalm 37, as we read earlier, points out, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now, all of this is not to get us to ask ourselves, what would Fred Rogers do? But rather to recognize that what Fred Rogers was doing was pointing us to what Jesus would have us to do, and what he himself demonstrated. To love our neighbor as ourself, to be compassionate, to stop what we are so busy with to give to others and to serve them, and really to make a lifestyle of it. Um, the truth is, is that we all really and desperately need one another, whether we like it or not. In Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuke those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. You know, 
children, it seems, know their needs and they're not slow to ask for things that they need. They ask a lot of questions and they're quick to believe just about anything that you tell them. Perhaps this is why Jesus said, receive the kingdom of God as a little child. There is a type of openness and humility in being a child that Jesus may have been speaking to. (coughs) Children are more aware of their dependency on people and are ready to ask and even beg for what they need. God wants us to depend upon him because he is willing to give every, every good and perfect gift to children. As we get older, though, it seems that our pride grows with our stature. We become more self-reliant, which is in some ways good. However, in God's kingdom, we are knit together into a body and are commanded to ask God for things that we need. Amen. The body of Christ is the context in which God has us to grow and flourish as believers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 through 26, it states... But now are they many members, yet but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is a beautiful picture of how the church should function. However, due to the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, it keeps us from functioning as we should and staggers our fruitful growth. Um, James chapter 4 speaks of this. I'm going to read some more scripture for you. It says, From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship, that the friendship of the world is, is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil to one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgeth another? Remember, the book of James was written to the churches, not to unbelievers. This is to us. If we are to love our neighbors in the body of Christ, we have to be willing to forgive one another rather than point the finger in condemnation. We must also not be presumptuous with the plans of our life, as is described next in chapter 5. Instead of planning our lives around our desires, the desires of our heart, we should say, if the Lord is willing, and hold loosely to those goals, prioritizing people over things. 
Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. When our main goal as believers is to glorify God by loving our neighbor in all that we do, our desires, our plans, our thoughts will be where they should be. We will not be tempted as easy to cave in to selfishness and to sin because we will, about, we will be about our Father's business. All that we do should be in the context of how it benefits our neighbor. We should be seeking to do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. Amen. Got my water. When we think of the word neighbor, the word itself speaks of someone close by. If something horrible like a shooting or an act of terrorism happens somewhere close, we might say something like this, that was a little too close to home. The closer we are to people who are hurting, the more likely we are to have sympathy for them. The closer we are to people, the more clearly we can see what exactly what it is that they're going through. We can better observe the pain and the struggles they are experiencing. James chapter 1, verses 26 through 27 says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The acts of visiting the fatherless and the widows in their, in their affliction helps us to identify with what they are going through, and we can more clearly know how to be of service. I just think of Myanmar and, you know, for you guys just being there, it's just like, oh, wow, like this is what, you know, is going on. And the incredible thing about social media is that we can see too. And so it inspires, you know, us to go and say, what can I do? Or, you know, save up our money or just take action. Um, so as far, you know, they're maybe the furthest thing from being close to us, but they're our neighbor as well. And, um, and I just think that's wonderful um, that we can be a part of that. But the, this, um, this verse in James, you know, when God says that pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, is to, to visit them, you know, it's something you do. It's not something that, you know, if you talk about, oh, here, I'll read this, but um, it says the act of visiting the fatherless and the widow in their affliction helps us to identify with what they are going through, and we can more clearly know how to be of service. If we are not visiting, visiting them, they are out of sight and out of mind. This verse also makes clear that it is not enough to just talk about this sort of thing, thinking you're religious and doing so, but rather pure religion before God is to actually go and to help them, as well as keeping ourselves unspotted by the world. Again, if we're about the business of serving those who can't help themselves, we would be less likely to get tangled up in the sinfulness that comes through making a habit of seeking our own interests alone. That's right. You know, we make our lives about this outward thing, you know. That was the whole thing from the garden that the devil was tempted with, or tempting Adam and Eve with. It was all about them. You know, you can be as gods. They saw that the fruit was good to eat, you know, they, um, they, you know, they, they saw that it was, the fruit was good to make them wise, you know, it's like, um, that's really the exact opposite of what we should do, you know, it's what God calls us to as an outward, is to think about what we have and how we are serving others through it. And when we do so, we don't think so much about ourselves. It's, it becomes about everyone else. Um, uh, 
when we are faithful with what is in front of us, God gives us more to steward. So it goes without saying that our being a good neighbor starts at home for each one of us. How are we treating our spouses and our children? Yeah. Are you showing mercy and kindness? The type of mercy and kindness that you would want to receive? Or do we demand justice rather than love mercy? I think of the uh, Les Mes uh, story with Jean Belchamp and Javert. I get them mixed up. So Javert was the one who was demanding justice. He was the guy that was like, justice, 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 and he had no mercy. Uh, Jean Valjean learned mercy, and he, and he actually in the story became the one to show the mercy over the judgment. And so you had this like thing going on that really happens to us. Like our, there's a side of us, and it's the a sinful side of us that demands justice and demands you know justice. But God has not given us justice, you know. Yeah. God has not given us justice, he's given us mercy. And so, you know, are we doing that with one another? If we've received forgiveness, how quickly should we, you know, forgive one another? That's right. Uh, Micah chapter 6 verse 8 speaks to this. And it says, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? I love that verse. Um, You know, what God requires of us is to act justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with him. You know, and I I like to try to unpack this because... um, what it does is it's the exact opposite of what our tendencies are. You know, in regards to ourselves, like looking at ourselves, we, we are to wor- worry about acting justly, you know, living in a way that's just. In regards to everyone else, we're to love mercy and be quick to forgive. And then in regards to God, you know, to do this humbly uh, before God, just knowing that we serve a holy God who at any point could turn us into a greasy spot if he wanted to. He doesn't have to have mercy. He's holy. Amen. And all of us have fallen, fallen, fallen short of his glory. And so this short little verse just kind of sums up for us like, hey, what does the Lord require of you? Act justly. Judge yourself first. Think about, you know, justice on me first, right? Yeah. Not everybody else. On, in regards to everybody else, love mercy. Be quick to forgive. Understand that God is holy. Walk humbly with your God. That's how we walk humbly with God is by remembering that he's holy. You know? How could you not be humble standing before a holy God? It's like Isaiah coming into the temple and seeing God on the throne. And he just like, like shudders in fear. And he's just like, I am toast. Woe is me. I'm a dead man. You know, when we remember that God's holy, there's no way that we could be proud, you know, and think that we're doing, uh, doing a good job. Like, no, we're made right before God because of what Christ did for us. And we walk humbly with our God and it, can, it should make us be able to forgive one another quickly and, uh, and really just do God's commandments, understand that. Um, we need to obey the almighty God. Our natural tendency is to demand justice and to justify our own actions. That's the immediate thing. And no, I didn't know. It's kind of like me uh, trying to say I didn't flush anything down the toilet (laughs) or any uh, paper towels. I was like, I kept wanting to say, like, I didn't put any paper towels down the toilet. And they're like, well, there was a whole thing of paper towels here, and they're gone. And I'm like, well, I didn't do it. It's like, who cares? Like, let's just fix the toilet and 
uh, you know, maybe apologize anyways and move on, you know. Uh, that's our tendency is to say, you know what, I didn't do it, and, but you guys don't put any toilet paper in the bathroom. <laughs> I have to bring my own, you know, but we should bring our own. <laughs> so, um, Other ways we can love our neighbor as ourselves close at home is simple things like keeping your clothes picked up off the floor, keeping your toys picked up, and being responsible for your own messes. <coughs> Many of us have lots of kids, and this is a common thing. You know, this, These simple things are loving your neighbor as yourself and are pleasing to God. Amen. You know, whatever we think think about, or whatever we, we should always think about how our actions affect people and what the consequences are, you know. Um, is it helping or hurting people? You know, everything that we're doing, is it helping other people or hurting them? This is how we love our neighbor. Uh, if we are practicing these things at home, we will be much better suited and equipped to love our neighbors in the church, in our communities, and in the world. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 gives us a picture, as we read earlier, Proverbs chapter 9 gives us a picture um, of a woman who sets, of the woman wisdom, who sets her table, she sends out her maidens and calls the simple to feast at the table of God's wisdom. We as God's people bless God's wisdom if we know his word. The picture of hospitality is what God has done with us. Loving our neighbor is calling them to a better understanding of God through sharing his word. This is what we feast on as believers and should be working to prepare as a meal for those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The urgency of the matter comes by understanding that there is another one out there calling the simple, and that is the foolish woman. And she offers um, something else. She offers the wisdom of the world. She offers sin as a way of life. This woman's guests are in the depths of hell because her, her meal is poisonous. We are loving our neighbors by giving them good food, the words of life. So I'd like, you know, I try to do this frequently with myself. I say, you know, what's in my hand? Like, what do I have to give right now? You know, I, you know I'm like, hey, I got a couple songs that I wrote, you know. Like, how am I sharing those? Or, you know, I, I know how to do this or I know how to do that. Like, what am I doing with what's in my hand? This is something I try to try to ask myself. And, um as we consider Matthew chapter 25, it reminds us that God's going to hold us accountable for what we have. And I'm pretty sure the Ten Talents conference was about that, you know, just saying, hey, what, do we, what can we do? How can we work together? And, and so all of us has something to give, you know. And I think it's a, um, God calls us to, you know, to try to steward what we have in such a way that is blessing those uh, around us that's, you know, spreading the gospel and building the kingdom. Like, that's why we have the stuff that we have. You know, the means to the, or the ends is not the stuff, not the houses, not the families. It's for the purpose of the kingdom. And so the question is, is how are we using our stuff and, you know, just seeking to be faithful with um, our stewardship. As we are reminded in uh, Matthew 25, the fact that the master holds us accountable for what we have been given, it should make us eager to ask ourselves, what do I have in my hand right now? How am I stewarding it well or not using it at all? Who could benefit from what God has given me? We may be tempted to believe that what we have is not enough to really matter, and that is exactly what the enemy would want. If we make an effort to offer 
what we have and offer it in Jesus' name and for God's glory, God will bless it. You know, I think of John chapter 6 when the young boy had the barley loaves and the fishes. And even his disciples were like, you know, it was like Andrew's brother who mentioned, he goes, hey, there's a, there's a boy here. He has some barley loaves and fishes. And, and one of them goes, well, one of the disciples were like, well, what is that among so many? And, uh, and Jesus is like, bring it here. And he said, make him sit down. And, and so what we have to offer, even though it seems small, you know, God can use it. He can do miracles, like huge things, out of a very small thing. Something neat that happened, I, uh, some of you know that I uh, worked with some kids in, uh, in Madison County at the Proctor camp. It's just like a, a camp in London. And um, it's kind of neat because though it's a small thing and some, you know, I'm just doing the best I can to try to connect with these kids. You know, they're going through hard stuff in life and they don't have great homes to live in and I'm just like wanting to do what I can um, and in the process the, the Columbus Dispatch one time came out and they said hey you know um, we want to do a story about the camp and so they were asking some questions and stuff and uh, <laughs> and so they interviewed me and some of the kids that we were working with some kids that I made friends with and they ended up doing an article in the Columbus Dispatch that went out to, you know, a lot of places. And it just got me thinking. I was like, oh, oh at, so after that, like that week, like, like my customers in Columbus and stuff, they were going, like, hey, I saw you in the paper. And, uh, you know, that's fantastic. And, like, how long have you been doing that? And, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, wow. I was like, isn't that funny? Like, I didn't try to promote what I was doing. But, like, as I did what I was doing, you know, it gets recognition. I know that's such a small thing. I think of Mission to Myanmar, and, I mean, people are doing really big things, in my opinion. But, you know, it's just like, it just reminded me that, like, when we do what we can, you don't know how that's going to spread or who it's going to affect, you know? You don't know who it's going to inspire or touch, you know, in their, in their heart. You don't, you just don't know. But when you take what you have and you say, hey, I have this to offer. I have this to give. God can do a miracle. He can take that seemingly small thing. What is this among so many? You know? And he goes, bring it here. Let, let me show you what it is among so many. You know? um, I think of Dr. Halinga. Was it somebody held a Bible study and she's the only one that came? And... Uh, and she became, she, you know, uh, got saved through that Bible study. Yeah, Becky's aunt had a Bible study. Nobody showed up but one person, and it was Dr. Halinga, you know. I mean, if somebody hadn't done that, you know, they could have been like me. You know, I, I had a Bible study, and some of our folks from our church showed up, but nobody showed up. <laughs> and so I'm kind of like, oh, man. Like, but, hey, I did what I could. You know, it's like, that's all we're called to do is say, hey, what, what can I do? I have a community center. You know, I have a whatever. It's like, let's just use what we have and God will, you know, bless it if he wants to. Um, uh, and also I think about the widow's might. You know, she gave what she had. Boom. And now for like the rest of eternity, we'll be talking about her, you know. And that's preserved in scripture. You don't need a lot to do a lot. You just have to be willing. Um, so that's encouraging to me because, you know, sometimes, you know, I think maybe we're all tempted to think we don't have much to give. But if you give what you have and, and that's your desire to give what you have, God can do great things with it. Um, sometimes what we have to give, though, people don't want. You know, maybe we have something and we say, hey, you know, this is the best I can do. And they say, well, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I don't, I don't want that. And that's okay. You know, as long as we're trying to be faithful with what we have, 
Um, I wanted to share a story from the camp. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I was, uh, normally there's about like 10 or 12 kids at the camp. And there was this one kid in particular who was having a real hard time. He was like starting fights with people and just having a real difficult time getting along. And so I was with him alone for a little bit and he goes, uh, I was like, what in the world am I going to do? You know, I just want to like calm this guy down and stuff. And there were a couple guitars sitting there and I said, hey, you want to, um, you want to hear a song that I wrote? And he goes, uh, and he goes, yeah, he goes, let me hear your song. So I started playing Dog on It and, uh, and he goes, and I just got a few seconds into it, or, you know, like about 10 or 15 seconds. He goes, stop. He goes, just stop. He goes, he goes, you didn't write that song. And I was thinking, like, oh, he's giving me a compliment. Like, he likes it so much that he doesn't, you know, he thinks it's so good that he goes, no, you didn't write that song. And I said, well, yeah, I did. He goes, no, you didn't. He goes, I've heard that on the radio. I said, I thought that was so funny. I said, well, you busted me, like, uh, but sometimes what we have to offer people don't want. And I said, we want to finish the song? And he goes, no. He goes, he goes, no, I've heard that on the radio. You didn't write that. And, uh, and he wouldn't let me show but, you know, we give what we have to offer, and it's okay. Like, God can do what he wants with it. Um, one of the best illustrations that Fred Rogers was doing with uh, his TV show was summed up in the first minutes of the program. When he comes in through the front door and he's singing a song to his friends in TV land, uh, while... He swaps out his jacket, and you guys are all familiar. I did the, I had fun doing the, the thing for our slideshow. But yeah, he, do, he does that on the show, and he's changing his jacket. He sits down, he changes his shoes. And, uh, and to me, like, at, you know, growing up, I go, wow, like, it kind of seems like what he's doing is saying, like, I'm swapping out. I don't know, this may be a stretch, but he's kind of like, I'm taking off, you know, my own self to kind of put on your shoes or to like change my clothes. Uh, maybe that's a stretch, but I don't know. It, it, it made me think of that like, like he created this space for his, the people around him and he's, you know, making them he's identifying with him. And so he's swapping out his shoes. He's like, hey, I'm getting comfortable to make you comfortable and um, really what it kind of spoke to me is like he's um, just he created this space for his for everybody else he's there to think about what it's like to be you or what it's like to be in your shoes and um, and so for me that's a picture that I won't forget like okay like, you know in order for in order for what, in order for me to love my neighbor, I really have to uh, just think about what it's like to be them. You know, that when we do that, it's hard for us not to uh, have compassion. It's hard for us to um, to not want to love them, and so that's really what we should all be doing with one another. And I think what Jesus demonstrated um, to us. Help me pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your example to us. Lord, you not only provide our physical needs, but our spiritual and so much more. You provided us a way of salvation and uh, forgiveness for our sins. before a holy God, Lord. We are so thankful for that. I just pray that we would show the same mercy and kindness towards one another as you have shown to us. I pray that we would be inspired to use the things that you have given to us and be faithful with them. Um, 
for your glory and for the building of your kingdom and that that would be our motivation in life and uh, that you would just help us to work together as a body and that we could that you would mobilize us through uh, our love for one another and uh, and that we'd be able to function well as a body lord uh, to reach the people in our communities and in the world lord um, we ask that you would do this for us, and uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I actually wish we had someone who could play that song, Mr. Rogers' song. Does anyone know how to play that? You might go, that might not be an appropriate song to play in church. And I would say you're wrong. You know, when Jesus said that the most... Uh, important commands by far were to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You might even go, well, some things aren't more important than others in God's word. Yes, they are. They asked Jesus and Jesus said they were. You might not understand how that can be. I, Luke, thank you for that. You know, at the risk of re-preaching a sermon on top of Luke's sermon, I need to tell you what really happened in that sewage hole over there. It was terrible. It was terrible. But no, Luke, one of the things that you said that, that really uh, at least brought this home for me in a really important way is the very first thing I wanted to do when, like, I sat down at the dinner table and the phone rang and they said, you need to come over to the office and, and fix this. And I'm like, I haven't been to the office in a week. Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, you better put on your car hearts. And you better, you better come over because you're going to clean. The, and I'm like, uh, okay, you know. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, and in my mind, I'm not, I never go, oh, yeah, if when I'm there, I'd hardly ever use the bathroom and like, what in the world? And then, and then I'm like, you know, and then I'm, I'm having all these thoughts that are self-justifying, right? Isn't that what we do? I'm thinking, you know what? They, they wash hair over there and they have 80 million customers and they're using that and, and oh. this is the first thought you have, right? I hardly use it and I can't believe it and, they, and it's not my, I don't own the building and that's what we do, right? We start building a case for ourselves so that we have the right to be mad or not to help or to get indignant instead of doing what we did, right? And we were there, and I'm like, and, and the reason I was having a talk with Luke on the way there, I'm like, Luke, now no matter what happens, we're going to be good neighbors, and we're going to smile. And, and he had told me that his message, was, I, said, I said, God may be giving a good example for your sermon, you know. And so, so the reason I was saying it was not because I thought Luke needed to talk to, because I knew I would be tempted to go over there and go, hey, now, come on now, what, you know, what do you think you're going to tell me? And... Uh, but that's exactly what we do. Our first thing, rather than going, hey, you know what? This is a great opportunity for us to love the people in the building next to us who this bathroom is important to them. Like, what if we'd have thought, you know what? They have customers that need to use their bathroom, and this is an important thing, and their water's backing up. This is a, that's not what my first thought was. <laughs> my first thought was, tell me. I'll tell you. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> now, in the end, the woman came over, and she was, like, ready to fight me. And, and I'm like, I, I told Luke, I said, if they tell us we're the worst human beings on earth, we're going to go, okay, you know. And so I was the one who was needing to talk, not, not Luke. Luke was probably less likely to feel like, like I am. But anyway, we ended up in the basement of that place, and we opened a pipe, and I had to stick my hand into things. Yeah, it was nasty. And, and I ruined my, I got it all over my clothes, and we did that was actually being a good neighbor, but I'll tell you what, I was not wanting to be one. And I, I'm convicted, really, here in this message. I, I think I need to figure out a way to be a better neighbor to those people through this situation. So doesn't it make you think about yourself and how you, it, it's, that's what it's making me think about. How can I be a better neighbor to my children, to my wife, to my neighbor across the street or the person that shares a bathroom at my office? I think I maybe missed a really good opportunity to really be a better neighbor. Yeah, I did get dirty, whatever. But honestly, I, I did it because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I'm really wishing I had done it because I wanted to do it. Amen. You know, Christ was our neighbor. We could not 
get our sins forgiven. We could not make things right with God. The justice that came down from heaven says, we've sinned against God and we deserve hell. And God was our neighbor. And He made a way to make right what we could not make right. Amen? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.